How does someone from a small farm in Duchesne end up in medical school? How does a mission to Zimbabwe inspire a future doctor? How does one study for the MCAT while maintaining a busy schedule? And how do you choose which MD program with multiple acceptance offers on the table? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Garrett, a first-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I have a great guest today, Garrett. That's good to be here. Welcome. You're about to start school soon. Yeah. How's it feel? Weeks. Uh, it feels good. I'm excited for it. So Nervous at all? A little bit, but I think it's, it's good nerves and mm. it's more excitement than anything so cool all right let's go back in time i love to jump in time time machine when did you start thinking about going to medical school or becoming a doctor um i guess first i started kind of contemplating the idea was maybe in high school Mm -hmm. and then i served an lds mission in africa and i kind of saw i don't know a little more of a lack of health care there than anywhere i've seen here in the u.s and so that I don't know, that sort of solidified the idea that I want to go into medicine and help people like that. And I don't know, it's really been kind of a build-up quite a few years of different activities. But So you said high school. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Duchesne, Utah. All right. So how big is Duchesne and where is Duchesne? Um, Duchesne is about two and a half hours east of Salt Lake City. It's a pretty small place. I think my graduating class had under 60 people in it and okay. then i think the whole town itself was like 1500 people okay. so so how was it growing up in duchene it was good <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it i mean if you like outdoors stuff which i do then it's it's a good place because mm-hmm. there's not really a city to speak of mm-hmm. um so it's easy to get out and do things but it's certainly a lot different than mm-hmm. i don't know being kind of in a bigger city did you grow up on like on a farm or a ranch or uh kind of mm-hmm. i mean i like to say it's not a farm but mm-hmm. it was we had Cows and chickens and horses. All right, <laughs> all right. So, like, grow, growing up, you know, milking the cows and getting the chickens and... Actually, yeah. So, I think from when I was the age... I mean, probably, my dad probably started having me do it when I was around, like, five or six. We'd mm-hmm. get up at before school, probably, like, six in the morning and have to milk or family milk cow and do wow. that until I was 12, so... Wow. Yeah. Driving the tractor by the time you're eight? Uh, not really. My dad, he's... Don't worry. Like, he, no, he no one's listening me. to this from the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was good, though. I mean, I, I hated milking the cow, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I was young, I didn't like it, but mm-hmm. it was an experience for sure. Was this, like, did you did your family, was this to sell, or was this just to sustain your family, kind of? So... Or a little the, bit of both? The milk we would actually drink. Okay. Um, and then, normally my dad would get a few calves, and we would kind of raise them and then sell those. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so a little bit of both. Why'd you hate milking the cows? Oh, I don't know. Anyone that's ever done it, I mean, I guess that there's a reason. I, I did it at Wheeler Farm <laughs> for like five minutes before they shoot us away. That's not too bad, I that's, guess. That's how most of us Salt Lake City kids get introduced to farm life, is Wheeler Farm. Have you been to Wheeler Farm? I haven't. Okay. It's probably, you would probably think it's a joke, but like, that's, honestly, that's what, oh, let's go to Wheeler Farm and see what farm life is like. So, yeah. Yeah. You've heard this before, right? Have you heard of Wheeler Farm? Or? You know, I've heard the name, but okay. I don't know anything about it. All right. Well, maybe after your first year of med school, like. We'll, we'll, we'll do a trip out to Wheeler Farm. And we, can, we can get commentary from you about <laughs> what we see. All right. So growing up on the farm uh, in Duchesne, 
Was there, did you like have a connection with like your local doctor or, or is there any event in your childhood where you got sick or ill or maybe your siblings or anything or, Not you know, really. like they kind of, you were you kind of intersected with, with the healthcare system. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I think the only time as a child, well, even up until, I mean, a teenager, the only time I ever remember going to a doctor was once for an ear infection when I was younger. We never had checkups or anything. It was, distance was a little bit of a challenge there. It was kind of a drive to go out. And then there's a little bit different of a, I guess, a culture in a lot of rural communities where you don't typically go to doctor appointments that mm-hmm. often. It's it's reserved for my, I guess I could say my family reserved it for more uh, severe things, which luckily I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, doctor appointments, they weren't, I mean, they weren't a common occurrence at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then high school, there's 60 of you per class. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I mean, where'd that idea come from then to be a doctor? You, you start, like you said, it kind of started at that time. Is it like a, a, a a show you watched or something you read or well i mean mostly that time was kind of just debating just trying to figure out i'm going to go to college soon what i want to go into and mm-hmm. i was always very interested in science and um i liked all the physiology physiology classes and stuff i did so i was interested in it but i wasn't like set on it at that point mm-hmm. um and then i think i started debating it a little bit more seriously when i Got out on my mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went right from high school to mission? I had, Yeah, I had about six months okay. after before I went, okay. so it was pretty quick. Okay. Um, and then you said Africa. Where yeah. in Africa? Uh, Zimbabwe and South Africa. All right. So you go from Duchesne to Zimbabwe. Yeah. How's that jump? It was big. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess, I mean, coming from Duchesne, maybe it wasn't as big of a jump as mm-hmm. if I was from a, a more urban area, mm-hmm. but... It's just a different culture. Um, it's a different experience. There's, it, I don't know, you see things there as far as poverty go that you don't, I think being in the U.S. you don't really understand it and you can see it on TV and stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't really hit you till you go there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was a great experience. I think it was really eye-opening, so. And they speak English there, right? Or did you learn another language? They speak English. Uh, Zimbabwe wasn't as good with English. So typically, at least in Zimbabwe, it was really only the uh, people about my age that could speak English well. Mm-hmm. The younger kids and the older adults didn't really speak it. So I learned a little bit of the language. What's it called? Uh, Shona. Shana, so okay. that, that's Zimbabwe, and then in South Africa, South Africa has like eleven official languages. They have a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I learned a little bit of Xhosa and Afrikaans, and Xhosa is actually like a clicking language. So yeah, because I just cool. noticed you clicked. Yeah, wow, that's very <laughs> subtle yet professional. Okay, I love it. All right. But it's cool. It's kind of so. How many languages did you end up learning? I, I'm not fluent in any of them. Um, I mean, I could get by on them, but a little bit of three. Mm-hmm. Like I, could, I couldn't carry a very detailed conversation with someone but kind of the basics wow so you go from your high school and then you worked for a few months before you left for your mission yeah what did you do for work uh construction construction yeah um and then you go out on your mission sounds like a great experience zimbabwe south africa for two years yeah yeah and um were you able to do any type of healthcare-related experience on your mission? Because I know some missionaries, they get to volunteer at hospitals at times or do translation. I don't know if that was 
something you did? Yeah, so we did a little bit. We did a lot of humanitarian stuff. Okay. Um, that was one of the big things there is, I know we did a lot of stuff at some orphanages, bring people food and then mm-hmm. um, school supplies and other things. We did do some stuff with kind of like, I guess you'd call it hospice type mm-hmm. of things for some older individuals that we did some volunteer work at mm-hmm. those places. But, I mean, for the most part, there's not much of a medical presence in Africa um, it's very limited. You have to get to a bigger city there for mm-hmm. there really to be a hospital. And even then, a lot of the individuals there, if they wanted to go, um, they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Like financially, it would be a struggle. So yeah. it was it's kind of interesting. Do you feel on your mission that you were able to think about your future in healthcare, or were you just so focused on the work and everything else that was going on? No, I was able to think about it. One of the, I mean, one of the things that I guess really pulled me towards wanting to do medicine is we had an older lady. She's probably in her 80s that we were teaching, mm-hmm. and um, I thought it was so cool when I was there because she was telling us that she had a heart condition, and I mean, in Africa, that's something you're not going to be able to fix. Mm-hmm. But there was a group of volunteer doctors from the U.S. that she was able to get on a list with them where she's to get the or able to get the operation that she needed to save her life. And so I thought it was such a cool thing, um, kind of seeing the difference that those doctors were able to make in her life and, you know, countless other people. So that was one of the bigger things there, I think, that hit me, how big of an impact you can have in medicine, and that it's something that I really would like to do. That's awesome. Um, any other cool story? I mean, you probably have so many stories. Um, yeah, so one of the cooler like volunteer experiences we did was at an orphanage Mm -hmm. um and this is i mean there were probably like 40 50 kids there and two people trying to take care of them it was in zimbabwe and we were able to go there and it's kind of crazy to see how many kids there were in this small building um how old are the kids it's like newborns from from the age of probably like four or five up to 18 wow so there was a range of them most of them were younger i think most of them were around like 10 or 8 and Looking at the conditions they lived in, I mean, I don't know if they had beds. I don't think they did. Uh, we went in to the building they stayed in, and it was it was small. I think everyone was sleeping on the floor. They didn't really have water, running water. They didn't have electricity. Mm-hmm. It was rough. Um, it was rough to see that. And so we were able to go there and we were able to bring in a lot of, like, food and different supplies, bedding. Um, we brought in a lot of school supplies for them because that was something they had a hard time getting. Mm-hmm. And so it was such a rewarding experience to do that. And then it was kind of eye-opening to see the the suffering that people go through. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're happy. Um, I think that was one of the big things. Is Did you get to teach them at all? Like English or... They knew it. The kids in that orphanage knew it. Mm-hmm. Some of them knew it fairly well. Um, we didn't do much with teaching we're mostly there just for humanitarian stuff because it was a ways out of i guess our area that we were typically in i guess another story i just thought of that was i mean it was one of the kind of tougher things to be told i'm a you know at the time i was a 19 18 year old or 19 20 year old kid and we had this actually happened a few times where we'd be meeting with a lady and she kind of start breaking down crying to us and telling us how she'd been raped or had AIDS and got AIDS from it. Like, that was a very tough... That happened multiple times. It was a very tough thing to hear. And yeah. You don't really know how to handle that. Yeah. Um So I guess that was a... The, and I 
the MTC doesn't really give training on that. No, no. yeah, they don't. That's not, that's not like something you just learn in the field. Like, how do you talk to people with really severe abuse or diagnoses or have had really bad things happen to? People? No, it was. Uh, I think it was a good learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of be put in some of those situations, yeah. and I mean, I'm not too qualified to help yeah. to help someone like that. But I think what little you can do, especially for someone in that situation where they do feel a little, like you're saying, abandoned, it, it helps a lot. Yeah. So, well, I think that there's a power in listening, um, but at a certain point in time, people need to feel that their actions behind the listening, and you know, I, you guys, yeah. Let's pivot now. All right. So I think you had a decision to make. You're coming off your mission, and you're thinking about becoming a doctor. Where did you decide to go to school um, for undergrad? Like Utah Valley University. Okay. How does someone from Duchesne end up at Utah Valley? How did you make that choice? Um, I had two siblings, two or three siblings, I think, that had went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, I guess, one of the bigger reasons and don't know <laughs> okay all right where do most people from duchene isn't there a isn't there a utah state eastern campus nearby or there's one in roosevelt which okay. is i don't know it's like a 40 minute drive or okay so, so that, that one's the closest yeah and do you feel most people in duchene go that one or do most people come go to like the u or uvu it kind of depends most people in my class it seemed like they went somewhere in southern utah okay um in fact i've I mean, there's not many people in my class. There's 50 people. But, but right. only, only, like, maybe two or three of them that I know of went to Utah Valley. So Okay. So, but it sounds like you have, like, a family legacy, a family history of going to Utah Valley. Or at least a, a familiarity. Yeah, more of a familiarity. Right. So you get to Utah State, and then what did you do at Utah State? To uh, Utah Valley. Oh, excuse me. Utah Valley. What did you do to prepare yourself at Utah Valley to apply to med school? What were your... Um, so I think one of the big things, especially starting out, is you need to meet with an advisor, mm-hmm. like a pre-med advisor, because starting out in undergraduate, especially if you don't come from a family that's been in medicine, mm-hmm. you don't really know what to do. Um, you don't know much about the admissions process. You don't know what activities will be beneficial to you. And so I think that's a really big thing. And then for me, um, I had the idea that I wanted to go into medicine, but I didn't really know what the field itself is like to work in, um, what it's like to be around patients. And so I wanted to start volunteering with the hospital, which okay. is something I did. Sweet. So is this at Utah Valley Regional or um, Mount Timpanogos? Yeah, so yeah. it been Utah Valley. Okay. All right. And what kind of things were you doing there? So the first like month or two, they had me at an information desk. I think that was kind of their procedures. You'd spend a month or two there. And then after that, I was volunteering in the ER for like a year. Cool. So, so what were you, like? Were you like stocking shelves, or are you triaging patients, or what was going? Or um, were you drawing blood, or yeah? Uh, no drawing blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we uh, we did quite a few different things. We would do some stuff with stocking shelves. Probably the bigger thing we would do is transport patients. Okay. Um, so we would take people to get CT scans or MRIs. Sometimes we would help mm-hmm. the nurses and stuff lift the patient onto the. Um, like the CT machine, some other things like that. Okay. And then just generally you would interact with patients a lot. And so our goal is to try to make sure they're comfortable okay, and see cool. if they needed anything. 
And then during this time, you're also studying for this test called the MCAT. Yeah. How did you do that? Um, How did you kind of balance everything? It's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I think I started studying in advance. Mm -hmm. um, and then for me, one of the biggest things was if I learn what's in my classes very well and I learn it kind of with the mindset that I'm going to remember it, mm -hmm. that will be a lot better than just trying to cram things in towards the end. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of my biggest things is I approached my education with the mindset of I want to learn this to remember it and retain the information. I think that helped a lot. Um, I did buy some like study or MCAT prep mm -hmm. stuff and I went over that. But Were you working during school? A little bit. Okay. Um, it was kind of on and off depending on what. Mm -hmm. Depended on the year, but okay. So I get the sense full class load, doing these experiences to you know get ready for med school. Also studying for MCAT. Socially, what was going on? Um, I don't know. Did you meet your wife? <laughs> it during this it time? was yeah. Okay. So okay. I did. Okay. Um, yeah. So dating, uh, I do stuff with friends. I actually like playing basketball and going to the gym. So that okay. was a big thing. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a big stress relief for me, and so. A lot of evenings, um, I'd go and spend an hour or something at the gym, play basketball. Okay. So what I'm trying to paint as a picture is, like, you had a very, very busy, full wife. Full schedule. Yeah, uh -huh. I did. Um, I did, but I think at the same time, it's... If you replace some of the less valuable things we do... Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know a lot of people, we spend a lot of time watching TV or something every night. If you kind of replace Netflix, them, but binging, yeah. yeah, I'm back on that train, so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so my goal with a lot of that was just replace some of those things with things that are actually more valuable to me. And mm -hmm. I think by doing that, it didn't feel as busy. Mm -hmm. So Excellent. And um, how did it feel? Because I imagine you got to know other pre-meds. Like, how did you get through that? Like, you're kind of in this intense pre-med environment. Um, I mean, did you feel it was like a competition, or is no. it more cooperative? Or No, yeah. I, I feel like it was co uh, cooperative. We would talk with each other and mm -hmm. kind of get others' opinions on what they were doing, what was helping them. It's like with MCAT stuff. I talked a lot about okay. what you're doing to study for that, and what do you find helpful. Um, I think it was really advantageous to talk to people that were maybe a year or two ahead of me. Okay. Because, um, I mean, they're getting a little bit closer to it, and they've maybe had a little more experience with what worked and didn't work for them. Mm -hmm. And so I think in general it was very cooperative and no one was trying to like... That's good. That's yeah. good. And it sounded like you... Like, did you form a good relationship with like an advisor, a pre-med advisor to kind of coach you through the process or kind of help steer you, guide you? Yeah, um, I did. I wish I would have done it a little earlier, mm -hmm. honestly. I think looking back on it, that's a very valuable thing is to go and talk with them and then meet with them regularly because they can give some good pointings mm -hmm. and the pre-med advisor you view is very good at okay. that. So. All right. And who, which one at UV did you work with? Uh, Kristen. Kristen Anderson. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Excellent. And okay. So then it's, it's the time to start applying. Like what kind of schools did you kind of look at and, and like, like help us walk help us kind of understand your decision-making process. Like. Yeah. Um, so probably the first thing I did was narrow down what schools are kind of within my 
that I'll be competitive in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do throw in some schools are a little bit more of a reach and some more safety now. And so that was the first thing that narrows it down a bit. And then um, from there, I looked a lot into, well, I'd bring up information about the schools and see which ones sounded good to me, mm-hmm. um, which ones are in areas that I'd like to live in for four years, because mm-hmm. four years is a long time. You don't want to hate where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I think mainly it's just learning more about the, pro- the program, their curriculum, what they do, and if it seems like a good fit for you. Okay. And then how many did, did you apply to? Um, I think I applied to somewhere, it was like 15 or 18, somewhere in that oh. range. Okay. And then what kind of response did you get, if you might, don't mind sharing? Yeah. yeah. Um, pretty good. I think I, I got accepted into, what was it, three or four? four of them up to the point that I got into here and then I'd interviewed at or had interviews at I'm trying to remember here like six or seven that's pretty good yeah yeah you can you can judge what I tell people is you kind of judge your overall strength of an application um again like an applicant is only as strong as their application so if you send out 18 applications and you get seven interviews you're that's really good. So, yeah. but if you send out eighteen applications and you only get one interview back, well, you know that, that's not as good. Yeah. Because <laughs> like when you think about it, like you know, then if you have seven interviews, statistically you're going to get into one or two schools, as opposed to like oh, you only have one interview. You know, like then that puts all your eggs in one basket. So yeah, makes it harder. So how did it feel to interview at all these different places and, and, and feel kind of the love? It was a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I kind of got to see how their schools are different. They have a different atmosphere to them. Um, you don't really know that when you're just looking at a school on paper. You really have to go there. Yeah, everyone seems to have similar websites. Yeah. You, know, you go you look at them, and everyone has, like, happy people and <laughs> nice buildings and people looking very serious and lectures. You know, like, those pictures are everywhere on these, like, med schools. So yeah. Yeah, so it was good there. To, I thought it was really valuable to get interact with some of the students when we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of see, I think if you can tell how happy someone is pretty easily when they're talking about the place, especially if they're a student there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was valuable. And then when you do go to the interviews, you get a better idea of how they do things and mm-hmm. if it feels right for you. Did you have like a system in place where like you go interview... And then, you know, interact with the students and you would come home and like throw it in a spreadsheet or, or talk to your wife or how did you kind of organize those different yeah. experiences? Um, so I talked to my wife a lot about it because, mm. I mean, she was a big import or a big part of this decision, mm. too. Um, so we'd go over that. And then I didn't really write things down, put it in like a sheet, but I did reflect on it a lot and I'd look up a little bit more about the schools that was something I'd do after I went there if there was something that they talked about that I thought was interesting or I was a little bit hesitant on mm-hmm. um, I'd do a little more research on that so okay. so you, you got into a number of schools and then you, then you got the phone call from me I think this is later right like we're talking March April somewhere. Yeah. yeah so was it a slam dunk you wanted to stay in Utah or did that create a crisis no it, it was okay um, I wanted to stay here I, okay. I really like the U okay um, I started working here I think in September September around then I've loved being an employee of the U I've always been a fan mm-hmm. of the U it's, um, okay so, so that was a no brainer it was a no brainer okay and like the interview day that I came here you guys I think you have there's an amazing program here mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, what attracted you to the program? I mean, you talked about the culture atmosphere. Um, what, yeah. What What did you experience or what did you feel? Um, I feel like, I mean, everyone had, first of all, it was a good atmosphere, like you were saying, talking mm-hmm. with the students, talking with the people that work here, um, mm-hmm. with you as well. You spoke in the interview day. Everyone seemed excited about it. So that was big. Um, I like that there's a variety of different programs here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different options you can choose, a lot of different interest groups you can get involved with. And I feel like there's a lot of guidance on kind of getting you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. Awesome. And then when we talked about the new rural program briefly, but um, do you hope to do like a rotation back out in Duchesne? Yeah, okay. uh, have or to do be. you hope to do like? Do you hope to practice there one day? To kind of looking at more globally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, I've definitely thought about that a lot, and I think it'd be cool to go back to an area like that. I don't know if Duchesne itself. I don't mm. know if you could practice there. Is, it, is your family still there? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, most of them are. Um, okay. It would be cool to definitely go back to a rural area, and I think that's something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it'd be good to give back a little bit to those communities. If you go back to Duchesne, you can tell your family, like, these are surgeon hands, <laughs> and I'm going to still mil- milk the same cow. Right? <laughs> That's right. It's going to cost a lot more. These are, these I've are got to charge hands. more to do it. Yeah, right? these are surgeon hands, yeah. It's gonna, the milk's going to taste like 13% better. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, like, like, you know, again, like, like wh- what... What does the future hold for you? I mean, what I, I, I'm not going to hold you to this, but like as of today, Garrett, you know, a few weeks before school starts, what kind of field are you interested in? What kind of doctor do you see yourself being? I know that might change. It probably yeah. will change. So yeah. So right now, um, I'm leaning a lot towards some type of surgery, mm-hmm. and it's hard to really narrow it down specifically to one thing right now. It's like you're saying, I, it's probably going to change. Um, right now I'm thinking orthopedics, okay. but we'll see what happens with that. I'm, I want to be very open-minded going into it. I've talked to quite a few doctors about this and they say that a lot of them say that, well, you'll have an idea going in that might change a lot. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole goal of med school. It's like trying to pick a major, you know, you, we expose you to the different fields Yeah. and eventually you'll pick one. So yeah. I want to go back to like working for the U. Like, what do you do for the U, and how'd you, like, how'd you find that job? Um, I, I think I, I notice more and more. When I talk to people. They're like, "Oh, I would love to work for the U." I mean, how'd how'd you pull this off? Yeah, so I wanted to do research, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean, the U's got a pretty streamlined application system for that. And mm-hmm. So I just applied for a bunch of a bunch of different labs here, and I got into one. Mm-hmm. I think I got very lucky with what I got into because my my boss is amazing. She's helped me so much on kind of getting or diving into the whole research world better and get a better understanding of how everything works. And so it's been good. We've been studying mainly for the last or the first, I think, eight or nine months. I was working there. It was on cystic fibrosis. Okay. Um, and now we're starting to go a little bit more into colon cancer for just the last few weeks but so when you applied for the job you it was just a research assistant position it was for research technician research technician and then did you like have to say oh i'm interested in lung diseases or is or or is that was that not like important to you you just wanted to kind of get a research experience Um, no do you see what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. so it was Mm -hmm. uh when i'd go in for the interviews when you're applying you don't really know a whole lot about what they're doing Mm -hmm. um but going in for the interviews I had a few different interviews here. They would all 
kind of dive a little bit more into what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely important. I mean, I wanted to research something that I thought would be relevant mm -hmm. um, to what I like. And I, I, I'm really happy with what That's I good. got. So. And were you pretty upfront and say, hey, you know, I want to go to med school? Yeah. Yeah. And well, like, you know, I'm kind of looking for a position that would help look good on a med school application, but teach me important skills. Yeah. 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 So I, I was clear with that, okay. saying what my plans were. And, and did they come back and say, oh, Garrett, <laughs> we've had 10 people get into med school from this lab over the past. <laughs> did they give you like some sort of uh, statistic trying to sell them to join for you to join them, I'm just curious. It was it was like it sounds like a, a mutually beneficial process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they. I mean, most of them would mention a little bit on how they've helped mm -hmm. other students, whether it was in medical school or some other health program. But if they told you like, Garrett, we have never had anyone ever go to med school <laughs> from this program, they'll probably give you pause, right? Yeah, it yeah. would. Okay, it'd be a little more like uh, I should probably find a different lab to go yeah. to. But. And so what were you doing? What, what does a research technician do in this lab? What was your typical um, day look like? So, like I said, I, got, I think I got pretty lucky with the lab I got put in um, because my boss at the time did not have any postdoc or anyone. Mm -hmm. And so she sort of let me fulfill a little bit more of that role where I had a lot more freedom in what I did. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, for example, we just submitted a I've got a first authorship paper that we just submitted a few weeks ago, which Sweet. is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so we've, I've done a, a big variety of things. When I first started out, the the paper we were working on didn't really have much data on it, so I took that from start to finish. Um, the main thing that we study there is the epithelial sodium channel. Mm. That's kind of... I'm going to nod like I remember what you're talking about. <laughs> Keep on going. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the main thing. So we do a lot of electrophysiology stuff. So I've got to do electrophysiology, immunohistochemistry, um, cool. flow cytometry, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. So you're playing You're playing with, like, the circuits and flooding um, electricity and measuring outcomes? A little bit. Okay. It's actually really cool. Uh, the it's single-channel patch clamp analysis is the big thing, and it's awesome i got to learn it because it's a very specialized thing. Mm -hmm. And basically what you do is you take a glass electrode that the tip of it's it's hollow on the inside. It's the tip of it's only about the size of a bacteria, a couple microns. Mm -hmm. And under a microscope, you'll lower that down on a cell, and you suck up a little bit of the membrane in it, and you've got some electrical equipment attached to it. It's sensitive enough that it can measure individual ion channels opening and closing. Mm -hmm. So it's very cool. You can see what's happening on this kind of like individual atom basis when they're going through. Wow. Um, and so you can get a lot of information on that. We'll do drug treatments, so you'll kind of get a baseline recording mm -hmm. of how active that channel is. You'll do a drug treatment and then measure the activity after the treatment. Yeah, and this is all in the realm of treating, wanting to treat cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Know? So this has, like, pharmacological implications. Yeah, it yeah. does, because cystic fibrosis is an ion channel disease. Mm -hmm. um, it's the... A chloride channel mm -hmm. specifically that doesn't work in cystic fibrosis and the for some reason we don't necessarily know why but the sodium channel is in the lung as well is hyperactive mm -hmm. and so that's where the secretions come from yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and the water follows the salt mm -hmm. follows the ions and so when you have issues with ion transport it then causes issues with kind of the, the mucus layer in the lungs and so the idea behind it is if you can fix transport um, either you can get chloride transport to work again or you can decrease sodium transport mm -hmm. then you can get the lung or the airways a little more hydrated so awesome 
but yeah, it was cool. I've, I, it's awesome. I like research. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Garrett, I'm so excited here. So I'm just thinking about like where you came from growing up in Duchesne, going, serving your mission in Africa and now back here for the medical school. It's quite a journey. Yeah. So last question, what advice would you give someone who are, who's thinking about going to med school? What would you say to them? If you can go back in time, what would you tell yourself um, back in you know your high school days? Yeah, so I think I'd tell myself to talk to other people that are going through it or have done it and take it serious. Mm-hmm. Um, what will the advice they give you? I mean, you can't, you, you've got to figure things out on your own to a degree, but I think getting that guidance is extremely helpful, particularly for me, um, the background I come from. No one in my family did medicine. If you come from a family that's a little bit more involved, you have maybe a parent that's a a physician, Mm -hmm. they can help you a lot. I didn't have that. Um, So I really had to rely upon other people a lot. And I think that if you want to succeed really in anything, you've got to be willing to learn from others and take criticism mm-hmm. um but yeah okay well awesome garrett i appreciate you coming on the pod and we'll stay in touch i, I want to have you come back and kind of hear how your journey kind of changes as you go through medical school yeah that'd be awesome thanks for inviting me all right thanks for listening to talking admissions and med student life with dr benjamin chan the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school a production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.